We've got our own Steve LaRue. He's going to do a special with us today. He's got his own backup. <laughs> <laughs> you okay, Rick? Jesus loves me, yes, I know. For the Bible told so, little ones to him belong. They all break by his song. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Tell me so. Jesus loves me, yes, I know. For the Bible tells me so. There's the one to him be long. They are quick by strong. Yeah. Great job, Steve. Thank you for that. You're welcome, Steve. And I love the look, man. You got this whole Roy Orbison thing going there. Let it never be said that we don't have fun here at Community Baptist Church. Thank you so much, Steve. What a blessing that is. And welcome to everyone uh, here at Community uh, Baptist Church, as we worship God together, we welcome everyone. We welcome our guests, especially. You're very important to us. We're glad that you are here and hope that you'll feel very much a part of our family as we worship God together. Uh, let me remind everyone of our attendance sheets on each row. We'd like to ask if you wouldn't mind to take those and fill them out so we can have a record of your attendance with us this morning. Uh, just put your name, address, phone number, whatever information you feel comfortable giving to us. Uh, and check the appropriate box. We would appreciate that. And especially if you would like to receive our email newsletter. It comes out each Thursday. It's a great way to keep up with the opportunities of worship and fellowship and service here at Community Baptist Church. Please put your email address on there, and we'll uh, put you on that list. Several things that we, that we have coming up uh, in just a week or two, a couple of weeks I guess it is, we have Runway Red. Uh, this is something that's sponsored by Matthew 25, uh, the ministry to, uh, to people who are infected with HIV and AIDS. And, uh, and uh, it's a great ministry, and this is a fundraiser for them. We'll be, we'll be hosting that here at Community Baptist Church. It's a fashion show and a, and a lunch. And we have tickets available. I think we have a, a table that we have bought, and we are filling the, uh, that table in. Uh, the cost of the tickets are $25. So if you would like to be a part of that, it's always uh, a fun time. Just call the church office and uh, make your reservation with them. Also, uh, coming up in a couple of months, we have our, our extreme build again this year, where we will be uh, going to uh, McCreary County again uh, this uh, this summer, and we'll be meeting volunteers from all around Kentucky, and in one week's time, we will build a house, and this house will be for um, a couple of cousins who were raised as as sisters, and their house burned uh, just a couple of months ago, and so they will be demolishing the, the, the house that they are, uh, have, are currently living in and building on that site. It's, a, it's amazing to see this happen, so we invite you to, to be a part of that. There's a sign-up sheet on the table on the way out. Uh, if you'd like to be a part of that, uh, please sign up. 
And, and you can go for the whole week or you can go for a couple of days. However much time you can spend would be great. Uh, but if you wouldn't mind putting the, uh, the dates that you would uh, want to spend on, when you sign up on the sign-up sheet. Also, this week's Lenten lunch. Uh, we are in the middle of, of Lent, and we do this every year. We have Lenten lunches where we go to the different churches and celebrate Lent together. And uh, we, we had it uh, a couple of weeks ago. The Presbyterians had it last week. This week, the uh, St. Paul's Episcopal Church will be hosting the Lenten lunch. And so we invite you to be a part of that. It's always a good time. Kelsey, did you want to make this announcement or do you want me to? to okay, all right. Uh, we are, we're going to be um, uh, re- receiving donations for Henderson Christian Outreach. And I think we're going to kind of set a theme for the month. And this month, I believe it's shampoo. Is that right? Shampoo. And so if you would like to, uh, um, these, are, these are things that are very important, you know, that people can't buy on their own, and, and, uh, and, and this, it's important for us to provide those. So if you would like to bring shampoo, uh, there's a basket over there. Just drop it in the basket, and uh, Mary will pick them up and bring them to Christian Outreach. Oh, <laughs> Chris said it's not very important for him. <laughs> Let us stand and let's welcome each other in the name of the Lord. Welcome home. Let's remain standing, please, for our gathering hymn.
Please pray with me. Holy God, we give you thanks for the beauty of this day and for all the promise it offers. We thank you for life, for joy, for love, for peace, for every opportunity to walk with you as your children. But even as we gather with much joy to be with our brothers and sisters in Christ, we also recognize that just as the old hymn has said, we are prone to wander. Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. We all, like sheep, have gone astray, O God. We have times when our hearts are completely wrapped up in your heart, and we can't even imagine that we would ever stray away from you. And then one day we wake up and wonder if we can, we even know how to pray. We feel like we're just going through the motions. We may look the same on the outside, but inside we are like the prodigal son, lost in a faraway country. We also confess, O oh God, that as easily as it is for us to wander away from you, we quickly judge others when they wander, as the old, older brother did in today's parable. Somehow we want everyone else to be held to a higher standard than ourselves, and we want people to take responsibility and do what's right without having to be prodded and helped all the time. And when they wander, we act like that older brother and think that they ought to perform some kind of penance before they're welcomed back into the family. But that's not what you have taught us, is it? Cleanse our hearts, O oh God. Give us a new view of your heart. Give us a heart like the shepherd who left the 99 to go looking for the one lost sheep. Give us a heart like the father of the prodigal son who threw a party when his son returned because he had been lost and now was found. Help us to remember and perhaps to know for the first time the joy that comes from being lost and then, then being found by your grace. Teach us, O oh God, to have welcoming hearts, just as you welcome us back home whenever we all inevitably wander. Amen.
Well, the last time I did scripture, I said that uh, it was the best part of the service for me, but I have to um, change that. Tim's sermons are the best part of the service. Um, well, and the music is great, too. All the music, the organ, the piano, the choir, can't beat that. So Tim's sermon at the top, then the music, then the scripture. No, wait a minute. The prayers are great, too. So we've got Tim's sermon, music, the prayers, and the children's moment. That's great, too. So anyway, the scripture this morning, if you would follow along, is Luke 15, 1 through 3, and 11 through 32. Don't fall asleep. It's pretty long. Now all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to him. And the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling and saying, This fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. He said, There was a man who had two sons. The younger of them said to the father, Father, give me the share of the property that belongs to me. So he divided the property between the two. A few days later, the younger son gathered all he had and traveled to a distant country. And there he squandered his property in desolate living. When he had spent everything, a severe famine took place throughout that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to be one of the citizens of that country, who sent him to the fields to feed the pigs. He would gladly have filled himself with the pods that the pigs were eating, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired hands have bread enough and to spare? But here I am dying of hunger. I will get up and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me like one of your hired hands. So he set off and went to his father. But while he was still far off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. And he ran and put his arms around him and kissed him. Then the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, Quickly, bring out a robe and the best one and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet and get the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this son of mine, he was dead, but he's alive again. He was lost and now he's found. And they began to celebrate. But his elder son was in the field. And when he came and approached the house, he heard the music and the dancing. And he called one of the slaves and asked what was going on. The slave replied, Your brother has come, and your father has killed the fatted calf because he has got him back safe and sound. Then he became angry, and he refused to go in. His father came out and began to plead with him, but he answered his father, Listen, For all these years, I've been working like a slave for you, and I've never disobeyed your command. Yet you have never given me even a young goat so that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came back, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fatted calf for him. Then the father said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice because your brother of yours was dead, but he has come to life. He was lost and now he's found. This is the word of the Lord. Okay. 
So Jesus came and told a story, and what he calls is a parable, and those are all in the Bible. And this one's from Jesus, Jesus telling his crowd a parable in the book of Luke. There was once a father that had two sons. One day the younger son said to his father, Father, could you give me my inheritance? Do you guys know what inheritance is? It's what parents give their kids whenever they die, but this son wanted it early. He wanted it now. So the father thought about it and decided his sons could have the money now, and he split it evenly between them. Very soon, the younger son received the money. He decided that since he had so much money, he would go to a different country and have fun with it. When he left, he left for good, but he was not going to come home. He took every, every last thing he had and didn't plan on returning. He wanted to be a grown-up and spend all the money he wanted, how he wanted, and no one could tell him what to do. And so he just left. He left a big farm with, with many hired men, with everything he needed, and then he left his family. And more importantly, he left his father, who trusted him enough to give him all that money. Well, this probably made his father very sad, and I'm sure he missed him very much. While the son was gone, he spent all the money he had right away, so he had no money left. He didn't even think to save any of it. And he ate out every meal of the day. So it's like he went to a restaurant every day instead of cooking at home. Yeah, that's a lot of money. Uh, And he bought a fancy car and threw wild parties and spent money on all the things that God would not be happy with. After he spent all his money, the country he was living in became very poor and had no food for anyone to eat. It was even worse for the people who had no money because food became more expensive. So nobody could eat out. So it was very hard for poor people to get any food. The son was in trouble. He had no money, no place to live, and he had nothing to eat. So he had to get a job. Go talk to my dad, I know. I don't have a job. I have a good job. It was even worse for people because they couldn't get a job. Well, this boy went and got a job feeding pigs. Ugh. That sounds awful. So when he was feeding the pigs, that's what he ate, what the pigs ate. So he had all this money, and now he's eating with pigs. That night, as his son was walking home, his stomach wouldn't stop growling. He was so hungry. Everyone was so poor, and it was hard for anyone to share food. So the son went to bed hungry. When he woke up, he realized something. He realized when he lived with the father's hired men, he had food, He had all the food that he needed, and he had all the clothes he needed, and he had all the love he needed. So he went to his, he decided he was going back to his father's house to say, I have sinned against God and against you. I don't deserve to be called your son, so hire me and I will work for you. He knew that if he became a hired man on his father's farm, he would still be better off than he was now. Well, he decided to go home, and you know what his dad did? He said, my son, my son, you are finally home. And he couldn't believe it. His father threw his arms around him and kissed him because he missed him so much. But the son quickly said, Father, I have sinned against you and against God, and I don't deserve to be called your son. And the son wanted to continue, but the father said to one of his servants, Quick, bring the best things we have out for my son. So just because the son came home, the dad was so excited, he gave him all the best things he had. And he said, let's have a party and celebrate because he was lost and now he is found. A while later, the older son was working in the fields and heard the music and the dancing. So he asked, what was going on? Well, his brother had come home and the father was celebrating. How do you think that older brother felt? Sad, because he wasn't getting a party and he had been there and he was good. Well... The son said, look, I have been working all these years, and I've never disobeyed you. You, Yet I've never got a big party. And now my younger brother has come home, spent all the money you gave him, and you give him the best things? And his father said, but my son, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was lost, and now he is found. So, how did the father feel in the story? The father was sad. Was he sad at first? And then he was happy because his son came home. So who is the father kind of like? 
Was the father kind of like God? Because if we mess up, God's a little sad that we messed up. But then he gets really happy whenever we decide to make the right choice and apologize, right? And what about the older brother? That brother that was so jealous that he didn't get a party. Well, I think if that happened with me and my brother, I would be a little sad. Would you be a little sad if you were good and then your, your other brother was really bad and he got rewarded? That's not fair. But that's how all of us would act, right? Not you, Gracie? Oh, okay. So the father was wronged, but he was also forgiving, like our God, right? And the oldest son had not been wronged and was unforgiving. In this parable, Jesus gives a clear picture of God and what God is like. God is truly kinder than we are, right? right. I have these little sheets for you guys. And this is going to remind you to be super good all week and to even help your parents so that they'll be really proud of you. Yeah, yeah, look at your mom and dad. (laughs) So you guys, I'm going to give these to Miss Katie after she sings, right? Okay, we're going to leave them right here, and you guys are going to listen for just a minute, and then you're going to go upstairs. Stand and sing off for you. Most gracious Heavenly Father, 
You are so worthy of our worship and praise, yet sometimes we get too busy to remember. May we all take time to worship you and praise you for the many gifts that you have given us, for the sunshine today to warm our bodies and our hearts. We ask that you bless these offerings which are about to be given and bless the people who will be using them, that we may use them to further your kingdom and to help people down here to get to know you better. We thank you so much for your many blessings. All these things we ask in thy name. Amen.
Come to the table. The Savior wants you to join in the feast. What a wonderful message that is. A father tells about uh, putting his four-year-old daughter to bed one night. <clears throat> so he read the story of the prodigal son to her, and they discussed how the young son had taken his inheritance and left home, living it up until he had nothing left. And finally, when he couldn't eat as, as well as even the pigs, he went home to his father who welcomed him. And when, the fin- when he finished the story, the dad asked his daughter, what have you learned from this? And she thought about it for a moment and said, never leave home without your credit card. Well, that's probably a pretty good lesson, though I think it's probably not the one that Jesus was going for. Pastor Ronnie White tells a story that some of you have probably heard before. Perhaps this is the original one. I'm not sure. I don't know. But it's a touching story. It's about an itinerant preacher years ago. His name was G.W. Ravensbury, and he made his living preaching off of trains. He would ride a train into town, get off the train, preach a while, get back on a train, and then head off to another town. But Ravensbury told the story of one unforgettable train ride. He was in the back of the rail car, and he noticed a young man sitting a few seats ahead of him. The young man had a cardboard cardboard suitcase stuffed under his seat, and he appeared very anxious. He'd get up, and he'd pace around a little bit, and then he'd sit down, and then about five or ten minutes later, he'd do it all over again. And so Ravensbury finally decided to have a chat with this young man. He introduced himself and said, Son, my name's Ravensbury, and I'm a preacher. You seem like you've got a lot on your mind. Would you like to talk? Well, Ravensbury said that it was like opening up a spigot. The young man's life just poured out. He said, me and my pa didn't get along too well when I was coming up. He said, we'd fuss and fight. Shoot, we'd get into it over nothing. And then one day we were getting after each other real hard. I, don't, I can't even remember what it was about. But I said something like, well, why don't I just leave? And my daddy said, son, there's the door. Don't let it hit you in the backside on your way out. And I didn't really want to go, but I was so mad that I went and I packed everything I could in my suitcase. And as I went to leave, my daddy said, son, if you walk out that door, don't you ever come back. But I was so mad that I left. He said, things didn't go too well for me after that. I kept wandering around from one podunk town to another, taking one piddling job after another. I wasn't doing too good. And one night I was out drinking with some buddies and we got this idea to rob a liquor store. And when we got caught, we got thrown into prison. I got thrown into prison. But before I got out, I decided to write home to my mom and dad. I told them I was in prison and I was about to get out of prison. And I said I was sorry for how I had left and and for what I did. But I'd understand it if they never wanted to see me again. He said, but I'll be passing through town. He said, you see, my my house is just off the tracks here, about 10 miles up the way. And I told them that, that if they wanted to see me, to tie something white out there on that tree in front of the house, that if there wasn't anything white hanging on that tree, I'd just go on through to the next town and they'd never have to hear from me again. Mr. Ravensbury, he said, if there's nothing white hanging, on, hanging out there on that tree, I just don't know what I'll do. I'm at the end of my rope. Ravensbury said that as they grew closer to his home, the young man became even more nervous. And finally, the young man nudged Reverend Ra- Ravensbury and he said, My house is right up here, right around that next bend. Do you think you could look for me and see if there's anything white tied on that tree? I just can't look. And so Ravensbury pressed his forehead up against the window, hoping, just hoping to see something, anything that was white tied up there in that tree. 
And he said that as they turned that corner and the train came around that bend, it was the most majestic sight he had ever seen. Apparently that family had emptied their house of every towel, washcloth, bedspread, pillowcase, and even every piece of underwear. Everything in that house that was white was hanging out there flapping in that tree. Ravensbury said, young man, look. And as soon as that young man caught a glimpse of that tree, he grabbed his suitcase, rushed out the door, jumped off the train. And Ravensbury said that the last image he saw of that young man was that man dragging his cardboard suitcase up that hill and an older couple bursting out of the house to welcome him home. Ravensbury said that that is a picture of what God's grace is like. He said the cross was God's way of emptying heaven's linen closet of everything white so that it would be known for all time that God wants us home. No matter what we have done, no matter where we have been, God wants us home. Some of you have seen that story played out in your own families. A son or a daughter, a brother, an uncle, someone in the family who for a while becomes lost to the family. Alcohol, drugs, a need to escape. It's an old, old story. Maybe you yourself were a prodigal. Maybe you still are. And the fact is that, that all of us are prodigals to one degree or another. Either that or we're like the older brother in our story who was so self-righteous that we can't even admit that we need to repent. But that's human nature. And that's why this story strikes home for us the way it does. You know the story. And Luke sets the scene masterfully when he said that the tax collectors and sinners were all gathered around to hear Jesus teach. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law complained that this man welcomes sinners and even eats with them. Tax collectors and sinners were gathering around to hear Jesus teach. And as you know, tax collectors were universally despised by everyone Sinners and righteous alike, they, they had close ties with the, the hated Roman government and they used despicable means to secure their income. And there was a rabbinic rule that stated that one should not even associate with people who were deemed ungodly. And so the rabbis wouldn't even teach those whom they judged to be sinners. And yet here was Jesus, a Jewish rabbi, teaching a group of tax collectors and sinners as if they were just as acceptable as anybody else. Well, that disgusted the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. And that's the setting for today's lesson. And then Jesus tells this parable with that, with that audience in mind. A man had two sons. There was a remarkable contrast between the boys, and that happens sometimes in families, He's not like his older brother. The younger boy was restless, and while the older boy was compliant to the wishes of the family. Nothing shocking about that. But, but then the younger boy does something that was really shocking. He comes to his father and he says, Father, give me my share of the inheritance. Now, normally an estate was, was never divided until the father was old and, and, and unable to manage the, the, the uh, property any longer, or perhaps after he died. That's when the estate was divided up. And so this was an act of rebellion. He was committing a grave sin in making this request. According to historian Wilhelm Levison, there was no law or custom that entitled a son to a, to a share of his father's wealth until the father was, uh, while the father was still alive. He said, but there was a provision called dismission. A dishonorable son could be paid a portion of his future inheritance, but then he would be permanently cut off from the family. The child would be treated as if he were dead. No contact with the family would ever be allowed again. 
And so requesting his share of his father's estate, this was a radical act by the younger brother. But the father's act was even more radical. You see, the father divided the property between them. He did what the son requested. He went ahead and divided the property between them. And I wonder if Jesus wasn't saying something to us about God here. Because, you know, God respects our freedom. Isn't that true? God respects our freedom. And if we are determined to rebel and to go out on our own, then God is not going to interfere. C.S. Lewis said that there are two types of people. There are those who say to God, Thy will be done. But to the second group of people, it is God who says, Thy will be done. You see, God always leaves us free to choose. So the father let his wayward son have his way. And I'm sure this hurt the father deeply. His heart was bruised. How many of you think you would feel hurt if your child basically said, I can't wait till you die to get my inheritance? His heart was broken. But he let his son go. And so the younger son gathered his belongings and he went off to a far land. And, and Luke tells us that he squandered his money living a wild life. It was, it was party time. It, he was living it up until the money was gone. The younger son had spent all that he had and then a recession hit and jobs for people under 30 dropped off the radar and he had to move back home. Well, that's not exactly how it read, but you kind of get the picture. But things were even more desperate back in those days because there was a famine. And in that land, there was no food to be had and with no money in hand. He could have literally starved to death. And so he got a job feeding pigs. Now, to us, that may not seem like such a big deal, though it's not exactly something I'd like to do, but, you know, it's, it's a job. But, but to Jews, swine were considered unclean. And no self-respecting Jew would willingly take this job. But this boy was desperate. He was so desperate that he even considered eating the slop that was fed to the pigs. And so finally, says Luke, he came to his senses and he said, how many of my father's servants have food enough to spare? And here I am starving to death in this far off country. I know what I'll do. I'll go back to my father and I'll say, Father, I've sinned against you and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Would you please make me one of your servants? And so with his tail tucked between his legs, he starts home. But then something extraordinary happens. Luke says, while, I was still, while he was still a long way away, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. And so he ran to his son. He threw his arms around him and kissed him. Well, the son begins his carefully rehearsed speech about how sorry his, he was, but his father wasn't even listening. He was too busy giving orders to, the, to his servants. Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger. Put sandals on his feet. Kill the fatted calf. We're going to have a party. We're going to celebrate for my son was dead and now he's alive again. He was lost and now we found him. And so Luke says they began to celebrate. Now those listening to Jesus' parable, both the religious leaders and the sinners alike, would have been flabbergasted by this Father's demonstration of grace. For one thing, I want you to picture this. You know, a father. It's one thing for one of us today, one of us fathers today, to go running after our son because we wear pants. Picture this elderly gentleman in those days with a robe running out to see his son. This was undignified, and it was considered undignified. His father would have had to hike up his robe and take off running with his knees flashing everybody. 
This was undignified. And yet that's what he did. He ran and he kissed the boy. He had his best robe placed upon him as an indication of distinction. He had a ring placed on his finger, symbolizing his restored place in the household. He had sandals put on his feet, which was a status as a free man because slaves did not wear shoes. And then to top it all off, they had a feast. Can you put yourself in the place of that father welcoming home that lost child? A lot of families can. A book titled The Hurting Parent by Margie and Greg, and, uh, Greg Lewis tell about a couple who had two young daughters still at home. And they received a telephone call from their wayward son late one night. He had called from a hotel room and he told his mom, I'm hurting and I'm hungry. Tell me what to do. And then his voice kind of drifted off and then a strong voice voice broke in and it was the manager of the Holiday Inn about 150 miles away. And so the whole family piled into the car and made the trip 150 miles to go get their, their son. And when they arrived, they, they thanked the manager, placed their inebriated, emaciated son in the front seat of the car. The father leaned over and buckled his son in. The stench of alcohol and vomit and weeks on the street was overwhelming. They had to roll down the windows to breathe. And it was then that the father understood what the prodigal's father felt when he embraced his boy and welcomed him home. It's a story that's told time after time again. A young person wanders away from home and the parent waits and hopes, and prays. And then hopefully reconciliation takes place. And folks, even if, if we have not had a young person in our family who has wandered into a far country, it's still our story, isn't it? Because it is the story of the human heart wandering far from God until that day comes when it surrenders to the wonder of God's grace. All of us must sooner or later take that journey home. In another book titled, Sons, A Father's Love, a father writes, When my son called, I didn't want to take the call. Scott had stolen from our family. He had manipulated us. He had failed us. And honestly, it had been a relief not to hear him, hear from him for two years. Scott told me that he'd been through another rehab program a year before, and, but this one provided something that no other program had offered. He, sa he said that he had met Jesus. He explained, Dad, I'm a new man. And the father thought, right, here we go again. But he goes on to say that the young man who arrived at the airport looked like a stranger to me. He was well-groomed. He was nicely dressed. His eyes were bright and clear. And the father goes on to tell about the radical change that Jesus had made in his son's life. He says, my wife and I had never really been churchgoers, but the change in Scott was too dramatic to ignore. And today, ten years later, our whole family is a Christian family. And Jesus has given us the same new life that he gave to our prodigal son. Now last week in our sermon series on growing stronger through Lent, we talked about second chances. That was last week's sermon. And obviously this story of the prodigal son is the ultimate story of second chances. So how do you think the story ultimately turns out? You think the boy became a better person or worse when, he, when his father welcomed him home? <clears throat> we don't really know. Jesus doesn't tell us. But I have known prodigals who have come home with a love and a loyalty to those who have welcomed them that would have never, they would have never dreamed possible otherwise. 
So how about you? If in your heart you know that you are a prodigal, listen to this, my friends. Your heavenly Father is waiting to welcome you home. He is indeed the God of second chances. So won't you place yourself in His welcoming arms today? No matter what you've done, no matter where you have been, God is is waiting. Welcome home, son. Welcome home, daughter. Welcome home. Let the celebration begin. Amen. You know, we, um, when we wander, we are generally looking for those things that are for us. What's fun? Let's have some fun, you know? And we think about those things that that we want, that we like. And we go seeking after those things and we wander away from God. This song that we're about to sing is going to emphasize the fact that we don't need to be seeking after those things. We need to be seeking after the kingdom of God first. And if we seek after God, if we seek after God's kingdom first, then everything that we need are, is going to be taken care of. Because God's a faithful God to watch over us and to meet our needs. So let this be our prayer today as we sing our closing hymn. Not just words, but a prayer. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. extravagant love of God the Father fill our hearts and minds and may God's embrace hold us when we feel unworthy to be called God's children. May the friendship of Jesus our companion rid us of any notion that we are nothing and may we find our home with Christ in God's kingdom. May the spirit of life Release us from a world of duty so that a new joy wells up within us as we journey through our lives. And let us go. Let us go and reconfigure the world in our friendships, our workplaces, our families, our streets, and in our world. Go and proclaim the story of Christ. Serve in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Amen.